Hey, Mum, come and have a look at this. I've got something to show you. Oh, God, what do you want now, Arthur? Go on, read it out. Mummy's Boy with Arthur Hill, a brand new podcast starring Arthur Hill and his mother, Lisa. What the bloody hell is this? I've signed us up to do a podcast. See, this is the contract. Oh, Arthur. It's Mummy's Boy. Mummy's Boy is my new podcast where I head back home each week to catch up with my mum and help bring her into the 21st century. Listen to Mummy's Boy every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. This is a crowd podcast. This podcast is sponsored by a person we can recommend highly. It's Dave Wiley. To be more like Dave, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show and become an official sponsor today. You're listening to The Marler Show. It isn't on the radio. It's a podcast, fool. You listen anywhere you go. The Joe Marler Show. Welcome, everyone, to our show. I am Joe Marler, and this is the ant to my deck, Tom Fordyce. Hello, Tom. Is it wrong that I'm still not sure which one's Ant and which one's Deck? Ant's always on the left, Deck's always on the right. No. Yeah, but that doesn't help me because they're not standing in front of me. Obviously, they're not standing in front of you in your room. When they're on the TV, it's always left and right. Left is Deck, right is Ant. But which one's which? (laughs) I don't think it matters because... I think it's very rare that you'd ever be in conversation with just one of them because they're just always together. You just go, all right, Ant, all right, Deck, and it doesn't matter because they're together, so it doesn't matter if you get it right or wrong. What happens if we bump into them in in a pub and one of them's gone to the bar to get drinks and the other one's sort of standing by his table with the peanuts? You just say, all right, geez, where's uh, where's your other half gone? Like it. Like it's always weird, isn't it? Where you sometimes you meet people you that you've met before in passing or at an event, and they know you really well, and you haven't got the foggiest who they are, and you go, but you're trying to be polite. I'm trying to new this new Zen life, where I'm just being nice to people all the time. Usually, if someone like that would come up to me, I'd immediately go, "Oh, fuck off! I ain't got time for you." And I'd say it out loud. And most of the time, I'd say it when I was with Daisy and she'd just melt. She'd be like, oh, no, what is he doing? Please stop it. You're making me feel so bad. And I'd be like, no, fuck off. Not having it. So now I try my hardest, but you still get to the point where you don't know their name. So you have to go, all right, uh, pal, what's the least obvious that you've forgotten their name or haven't got a clue who they are? It's a very good question. But I think you can put mate. Mate sounds too broad, doesn't it? Mm. All right, mate. All right, mate. Yeah, it's easy. It's easier to just go under the radar with that. All right, mate. All right, mate. How you doing? All right, pal. Whereas pal kind of brings out all right, too much, isn't it? All right, bud. Hello, buddy. All right, all right, buddy. You know which one I go for because I I use it with you, even though I do know your name's Joe Marler. Jojo. You call everyone jo- Jojo. Jojo. I, I call everyone Jojo. Or I say, you right, Groover. Groover. Little Groover one, yeah. <laughs> I. If you've used that a lot with me, I've clearly built up a, a huge resistance to it, and rightfully so, because that is hideous. Don't ever call anyone Groover. All right, Groover? Oh, unless it's unless it's Hans, someone called Hans. <laughs> now you repeat it back to me, it sounds hideous. Joe, we had an excellent guest last week, which was Alan Cumming, the actor. And as a result of this, we've had some suggestions from our Twitter and Instagram followers 
along the lines of who would play Joe and Tom, that's me, in a film about the podcast, I would say looking at some of the responses we've had, you have done slightly better than me, but yours are quite polarised in that <laughs> one of the main suggestions is amazing and one of the main suggestions is quite insulting. Which one would you like first? <laughs> Just hit me. Just hit me. The good one, and I don't know if this reflects this man's um, looks or his ability to shapeshift, his ability to take on different characters. But it's Tom Hardy. Yeah, go no further. Just stop there. So, Don't mention anyone, anyone else. That's it. I'll take Tom Hardy all day long. We'll take Tom Hardy. I definitely won't mention uh, the name of Brian Blessed in that case. Oh, no, I don't mind that one. I can get that one. He's a bit, he's someone I, I really enjoyed watching in Blackadder when I grew up. Hello, bloody Edmund, Ed, Edmund. It's, what was his name? Edwin. Oh, he used to call him Edwin. Yes, bloody Edwin. No, it's it's Edmund, <laughs> father. Where, where, where is my sword? I oh, loved Brian Blessed. Is he still? Is he still with us? Not only is he still with us, Joe. He's actually get this. He's a quite famous mountaineer. What? He likes to scale great peaks. I think he's been to Everest Base Camp. I wouldn't have put him down as a as a mountaineer, really, but mainly based on his physical shape. Very similar to myself. He's a he's he's a big bloke. And we don't really walk up hills that well. I've heard a story, Joe. You know, Brian Blessed is a great orator. He's a great storyteller. Fantastic. I have heard a story of a time he was going up a very high mountain. And the bloke he was with had very bad piles. <laughs> and apparently piles at high altitude are incredibly painful. And if you're with someone <laughs> who has really bad piles, someone has to... How can I put this? Someone has to put the bag of grapes back in the bag <laughs> you cannot help yourself you cannot go one week can you without mentioning something abhorrent disgusting related to buttholes can you <laughs> you can't do it it almost feels unnecessary to add in any of the people that i was compared to but they range joe from Sting. Sting! The best one was Benedict Cumberbatch, which I'll take. Woody Harrelson. Tom Hiddleston. I always get confused with Tom Hiddleston, which one he is. Uh, I see you more as a Matthew McConaughey. Thank you, Joe. In Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, you gave and you took away in the same moment. Hang on, I'm just reading some of these comparisons now. Someone said that Jack Elam should play me. And I've just Googled, I've Jack got a clue who Jack E. Lamb is, and I've Googled him. You have to Google him. How are you spelling his name? Jack E. Lamb. Chilling in Chilliwack suggested that. Um, you're blocked. Yeah, again, the images I'm looking at here, um, <laughs> they're not hugely flattering, Joe. I, If I were you, I would stick with Tom Hardy. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a big listener, um, by all accounts. What about last week's episode with my swear book? I said I was going to give away to anyone that helped me find the man on the news in the Joe Marler t-shirt. Mm, we're still looking for a definitive answer, I believe, on who that man is. But do you have the swear book to hand, Joe? What pleases me is that we are still looking for said culprit, meaning that I don't have to give away my book yet because I don't want to give it away, to be honest with you. I want to keep it forever and ever and ever. It brings me joy every day, especially... When I read it to my kids at night. <laughs> and what's our phrase for today, Joe? I'm going to ask you, Tom, to pick a number between 
10 and 92. Can I have um, 57, please, Joe? I just got a feeling it's a good number. Yep, 57 is your number you've chosen completely at random, not been teed up whatsoever. And here we go. Would you like French, German, Italian or Spanish first? Reverse that order, please. So Spanish, Italian, German, French. Uh, Espanol. Tu pene están pequino que se te folares a un raton no la notaria. Whoa, 57 was lucky. That's a great one. Any ideas yet? I got the word rat and notorious. So I'm going to say um, your face looks like a notorious rat's asshole. Nope. Do you want it in Italian, German or French? Uh, Italian, please. He un pene cose piccolo che se scope un topo non se ne accorge nemmeno. Your penis looks like fusily pasta. <laughs> You're getting closer. Am I? All right, German for you. Hey, Spain, Spain, hey. Dein Schwanz ist so klein, dass es niemals nicht merkt, wenn du sie fixst. Your penis is so small, something, something, something. I'm going to say, your penis is so small, a mouse would be ashamed of it. <laughs> We're getting so close. Here's French. Oh! Ta pene esse petit que... Si tu peses un soris el nele rimacues, rimacues pan. <laughs> Your penis is so small, it's remarkable you can use it. <laughs> I'll give you one last attempt. Your penis is so small. Yep. That it re reminds me of. I'm just going to put you out of your misery, Tom. It's quite apt that you chose 57 um, because I would actually say <laughs> this to you. As it is uh, somewhat factual. Your <laughs> penis is so small that a mouse wouldn't notice it if you fucked it. <laughs> I wasn't far off, Joe. I wasn't far off. This is my favourite book in the whole of the world. Uh, and we shall have another round of guess the insult from Joe's foreign book of swear words on our next episode. Is that right, Joe? We'll do it next week. Uh, do you think it's something I'll be able to take in a pub? Oh, Joe, funny you should talk about pubs, bearing in mind who our guest is. And I'm really happy we've got a pub landlord on. I'm also quite sad because you and I aren't going to be in that pub together. You're in your van. I'm in a small, strange, rented house with a bit of an echo and some bad yellow curtains for reasons we don't need to go into. But it strikes me as slightly tragic that in an episode about pubs and pub landlords, we're not in the pub. There's not a lot we can do about that, Tom. You know? You just have to get over it and move forward and do what I've done and poured myself a double vodka and Coke and it is only 11am. <laughs> but that's completely acceptable because we are talking to a landlord all about pubs and here goes. Our guest today is a pub landlord and he's been one for the last four decades. His current pub sits in the heart of Manchester city centre and his name is Jed. Welcome, Jed. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you. Jed, I'm looking at this, this background on our, on our Zoom call, and it's making me feel, Joe, a great yearning to be in the pub with Jed because he looks like such an old-fashioned boozer. It looks like the sort of boozer where you could settle down at half past 11 or midday, and there'd be absolutely no reason to go anywhere until maybe 
nine, ten o'clock at night? It's exactly that, because I do music from three o'clock right through till eleven o'clock at night, a half ten at night, and it's always full. And it's well worth a visit. So when you come from Nutsford, you'd love it. And when you come, Joe, I'll spoil it, trust me. <laughs> I don't know about you, Tom, but this is one I've been looking forward to, to be honest, because I have always wanted to be a pub landlord. I still want to own a pub. I keep trying to um, persuade my my local pub called The Six Bells to let me take it over. And they're like, A, it's not for sale. And B, have you got any um, experience in running a pub? And I said, no, it's irrelevant. I'll just be the landlord, like the pub landlord. And then I can just tell people, get out of my pub or come <laughs> come back to my pub, please, and buy some more. So I'm really <laughs> excited about this one. It's a very happy life. I wouldn't I wouldn't swap one day of what I've done. I started in 1988 and I wouldn't I wouldn't miss it for the world. The thing I wonder, Jed, is there's a lot of people uh, who feel like Joe and think they'd love to run a pub. And then when you dig into it a bit more and ask them why you basically realise they just want to go to the pub more and that they don't actually want to run a pub. They just want to sit there and drink. That's right. That's That, that was the old-fashioned landlord in them days. It's not the same anymore, but saying that, it's an easy life, but it's a lot of restrictions nowadays. You've got a lot of health and safety things. There's all sorts of things you've got to do. Your staff have got to be trained. It's different to it was 40 years ago. Jed, why did you, why did you want to be a landlord? Was it because how Tom's just described that you were actually in the pub all the time anyway, so you were like, I might as well own the place? Or did you always have an ambition to be like, oh, I want to own, own, own my, my own pub? I used to be in advertising and printing, and I used to do around all the places and sell printing to all the pubs. And I did one for a very famous pub in Eccles called The Talk of the North, uh, and I did all their advertising. And unfortunately, the people at the time, this was in the 80s, did a runner owing me a lot of money, and they ran off with the takings of the pub. People that before Christmas had paid deposits for the Christmas entertainment. No, the rogues. So I thought, right, well, I know the pub, I know the people. So I went to the police and I said to them in Eccles, I said, I'd like to be the landlord of the Talker North for a while because you had to get a license then from the police. You had to be vetted by the police. It's only there for two months, but I just made all the Christmas and New Year they all, everybody had the seated, they had the meals and everybody got paid and it was great. And then from that day, I left there because I went to the police and gave me, rescinded my license. I came out of the licensing sergeant and I was walking across the road and I met a, Mike, a man, very nice man called Roy Mosley, who had a talker note before me. And he said, Jed, I've been looking for you. I want you to run a pub called Richmond's on Grey Mare Lane. And I worked there and I've never, ever looked back and I loved it all. You said you started in the 80s as a landlord. How much has it changed from... 80s, 90s to the noughties now. Oh, it's, well, it's changed a lot because remember in those days you could smoke in a pub. Now you can't smoke in a pub. And when it all happened, when you couldn't smoke, it wasn't the men that were complaining, it was the women because women would come and they might only come out once a week and they would smoke the head off. They used to love smoking. They might smoke 20 cigarettes. They might not smoke again during the week. Now we can ask anybody. Nobody wants to go back to the smoking days. When the smoking ban came in, it was such a weird time, wasn't it? Because... There was all the people who wanted to smoke. And then there was the realisation when you went back to the pub that the smoke covered up a multitude of sins. Let's say you were next to someone who had uh, some sort of issue down below. You wouldn't notice so much when the air was full of smoke. But when there was no smoke, you realised. 
<laughs> of course. And you say you could look at the curtains in the pub and at all the walls, they're absolutely diabolical. Take a picture down and you wouldn't know what the different colour to the, the wall went behind the picture. But saying that people don't want smoking in the pub anymore, what they should have done, which all we wanted, is a smoking room. That's what I, what I would have had, but you can't. I've got a question, Jed, about because I, I, I'm never going to run a pub, but I'm really fascinated by how it works. What thing that you sell in the pub? is most profitable what's the one that's got the biggest markup is it the food is it a certain drink no all the shorts you make your big you make your money on your shorts really do you i mean yeah well yeah there's a good markup on shorts to me the pub game it's a fantastic game and, and there's three things in the pub and this is probably like tom and joe going to the pub there's three things why you're going to the pub in, in my opinion one of is you're going for the beer the second is you've got to have a nice atmosphere it's got to be nice and clean up to the proper standards and you feel happy because if you can take your wife and your girlfriend and go in and it's a happy pub and the staff are lovely the third to me doesn't matter it's a surprise because nobody's ever come in my pubs and asked for, for what price is your beer tom i'm so glad you asked that question about the markup and the price of stuff i've got to get this out here now can you tell me either of you have a guess what the most expensive pint that was sold and it's to the nearest pound. Is this in Britain, Joe? It was in the UK in 2017 and it was the most expensive pint sold. What was it, an ale or a lager? It was, I'll give you that, I'll give you it. It was a Cloudwater Northwest Double IPA and it was sold in a pub called The Rake in London. Well, I would have said the dearest pint, really, for the pint of bitter, is about £7. That makes sense to me, Jed. I'm looking at Joe's face, though, and I've slightly cheated here and gained second because I could see Joe's reaction to your £7 guess. I'm going to jump up, Joe. The rake, it's in London. It's an IPA, so it's slightly... It's going to be... I'm going to say £14, Joe. You're not far off, mate. It was £13.40 for a pint of this what? double IPA. £13.40? Are you having a laugh? I said to my wife, Daisy, I said, I said, I was doing it earlier. I said, Daisy, what do you reckon? I asked her the same. What do you reckon the most expensive pint that was sold? And she went, I don't know, 10 grand. I went, fucking hell. 10 grand. What do you mean, 10 grand? <laughs> She's clean off, mate. I just can't get my head around it. That is ridiculous. What about the markup on food, Jed? Is food quite profitable for pubs these days? It's usually 100% markup. Is it? Not easy selling pub, food in pubs like it used to be in the old days. You can't just slap a, a meal on the table. You've, everything's got to be done properly. Jed, if I'm going to own a pub, I'm going to need some help here because I am, if I haven't already come across as it, just to confirm, I'm thick as pig shit. So I need some layman's terms here. What is What does 100% markup mean? Well, if you make it for £5, you sell it for 10 Just making notes of this for when I am my very own landlord, you see. If I have a pub with the restaurant, it's fantastic and it's nice, but it's two different things to me. I, the pubs I've got now, this one here, it's, well, to say I don't do food, it's a little bit small, but it's because I'm a busy pub. Uh, I've tried doing food and it, 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 I just can't do it properly. So I, I just, I do snacks. Joe, if we were in uh, Jed's pub now and I mentioned that I was going to the bar and I asked you if you'd like a bar snack, what would be your top three bar snacks, Joe, in order of preference? Oh, God. Um, pork scratchings, number one. They're my favourite. In fact, I've got, I'm just thinking about it. I've got some in the kitchen now and I really want to go get them um, to go with my double vodka and coke. That I've got in my van. Don't tell my kids. <laughs> um, I really like Bombay mix, and then there's these um, they're these like sweet chili rice cracker things. 
that are just so Moorish. So there's my there's my top three. We've got pork scratchings, Bombay mix, and sweet chili rice cracker things. What about you, Tom? I'm surprised nowhere in your top three was a humble packet of crisps, Joe. Like if I've got a nice lager on the go. A nice ready salted will do a job for me. Well, they, we do very well with all those. What flavours have you got, Jed? With plain cheese and onion, curry flavoured. It's about four or five flavours. And we do, they said, pork scratchings always sell. And the crisps, these chilli crisps and all that, they're all sell. They're all good sellers. I suppose, Jed, as well, you've got to move with the times because there's a point in time where the classic bar snack might have been your ready salted nuts, maybe some dry roasted, some crisps. And then you move on a few years, suddenly it's wasabi, Nuts, it's the sweet chilli crackers. The world changes quickly. Of course it does, yeah. Well, they're all, they're all nice, all these. They're, they're lovely meals. They love little snacks, and that's what you're doing. And they're easy to serve, and they're not expensive. They're about a pound a time, and that's all you want. People love that. Do very well with them. Tom, what is your favourite choice of drink? Obviously, in your famous other podcast, you talk about a lout, a lout, 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 which is a lager and a stout, which still confuses me. Is that your favourite? If it was a winter's day, Joe, and we were going into Jed's pub, I'd be very much having an old-fashioned ale. And I wouldn't be having an IPA. I wouldn't be having any of this grapefruit nonsense. I would have what I would have to refer to as an old man's bitter, like a classic bitter. If we were going into Jed's pub today, Joe, when the sky is blue and the sun is shining, I'd very much open my account with a lager, a crisp continental lager. But I wouldn't be able to stay on the crisp continental lagers for too long because they would have a damaging effect. So I'd probably move to what we might call a puppy lager. What's a puppy lager? So what do you call a puppy lager then? I'm going to say, I've never heard that word before. Puppy lager, starter lager, that would be your sort of your fosters, your a sort of 3%, 3.5%, more of a session lager. Because I think if you stick to the strong continentals, it's gonna you're like a plane in a tailspin, aren't you? Yes. Like you just said before then, Tom, a nice pint of bitter, which is Johnny Lee's traditional bitter, which is a cask, is my biggest seller for beer. And that's 3.2. That's ideal, Joe, isn't it? Because a 3.2, you can sit there, and as long as you're not smashing them down at a crazy rate, that is a proper all-day beer. Our lagers are 3.8 to 4, because if I go to 4 and 4.2, you're talking about Stella and these premium lagers. In all the old days, in, when you had Stella, it went from 4.5 to 4 point because people were getting too drunk on it. You've described how much you have enjoyed being a landlord. Has there ever been anything worse, like, in your time? Of course. I mean, I've been, I had a pub once, a very, very nice pub in the country, and it was a lovely pub, and I got armed robbed. They dragged out of bed, and in all fairness, it never hit me. I was I'd lay in bed, and they had a big bang. They knew exactly what they were doing, and four stormed into my bedroom, dragged me out of the bed. Uh, they want, and they had knives, they had a machete, and they wanted all, this, all the cash from the pub. But it was very scary because what they did, we saw it on afterwards, they pinched the car in a place four miles away. This was in a place called Staley Bridge, and was four lads at six in the morning, this, because the police say if you come six in the morning, they, don't, they won't stop anybody with four lads because they think they're going to work. But they knew my pub, so they came in, I saw them pick bricks up, they went up to the first floor, they got ladders up to the first floor, smashed the window and come straight in, and they dragged me out of bed. They got the cash, of course, but they ne- fortunately, they never touched me. The biggest scare, two scares I've had, was when the bomb went off in Manchester. Oh, of course, yeah, this was the bomb in um, 1996. It was a lovely day, like we've got up here at the moment, and the police were around saying that there's a bomb coming off, and the people were sat in the pub, and they didn't want to move, because a lot of them say, well, I'm going to go, I want to go with a pint in my hand. <laughs> But then the bomb did go off and it blew the pub in. 
It blew everything in the <clears> barrels <throat> off the wall. But I'm going to say a little story. It's a true one, and it's a nice one. When this happened, and everybody else got moved out, we all got marched down the middle of what they call High Street to uh, another, to the Piccadilly Gardens. And obviously, I had staff on, and I, and I was busy that morning. One of the girls said to me, oh, I've left my bag in, this, in the pub, and I've got my car keys, and I've got everything else, and can you do it? Well, obviously, I know Manchester, I know the back streets. So I thought, right, I'll run it. I'll go to, back to my pub and get the bag. So I ran down the streets, down the back streets, running, and the police saw me and they chased after me, which is fantastic. So I managed to get to my pub because obviously the doors were open, everything was all there. So I managed to get, and these three policemen came in and said, put me on, I said, listen, I said, I'm an landlord of this pub. I said, I've just come to pick up a bag for the girl and I've got to put all the money away. Lots of money in the tills, so I just put them in the safe. And the police were fantastic. The adrenaline was going, it was really going. So it was three policemen and me. I said, well, let's have a pint each. <laughs> and the three policemen, including myself, and I'm not going to exaggerate, we had three pints each, just like that, because obviously the adrenaline was going. No, and, it, and they were fantastic. And then, they, then I remember him saying, we've got him, Sarge, but I got the girls' bag, which was what I wanted to do, and I put the, all the money away, which I needed to do, obviously. And we had a great time, me and these policemen. Well, I can't say that really, I can't. But we had three pints apiece, <laughs> as quick as that, just like that. And then... The rest is history with the with the bomb. It's a shame what happened, but it, it happened. Uh, but fortunately, nobody was ever hurt. Wow. And the little thing, only I'm only telling you some little stories now. I've had to, I've had two haunted pubs. Really? What were they called? First of all, what were they called, Jed? Right. One one was called the Church Inn. Fantastic little pub in Presswich. Absolutely fantastic. And then I had a very big pub called the Black Lion in Salford. And I used to have on a regular basis people come and talk to dead people. Now, I'm coming through. They used to sit there in my room and say, Oh, we've got Joe over there. He's that he died 80 years ago. And he'd t- describe him and they would talk to him. And now I'd never, I'd, and I promise you, there'd be a dozen people talking to people. And I never, I never saw one. But I was mesmerized <laughs> listening to all the stories. But I wanted to see one. I wanted to see one. And I didn't, and I never did. And one of them was, I'm going to tell you the truth. No, honestly, God, I'll say. I'm I'm not exaggerating. 12 separate tables of people on their own, but they're all talking, not to each other. They're just all talking to these 12 separate ghosts in the Black Lion. You say, I've got so-and-so over there. She's called Betty. She died in black. I didn't mention her name. She's dressed like that. And I say, oh, hello, Betty. Ah, they never spoke to me. (laughs) Did they order drinks for the ghosts? Does Betty want to drink? But she didn't like spirits. (laughs) (laughs) you seem that welcoming that i would actually probably try and entice you to maybe do a little lock-in now i want to talk about (laughs) lock-ins first of all are they legal Uh, are you legally allowed to have a lock-in well let me just tell you something i learned this very early very very early i don't have any lock-ins i never have done in all my pubs if anybody wants a drink after time I'll say, I'll come with you, I'll go to where you're going to go. But I don't never, ever done a lock-in, honestly, because the first time I did a lock-in, I thought, I'm here, listen to watching all these people, staff and people getting drunk. This is only like half 11 at night. I'm going back 30 years, and I, I learned that straight away. It reminds me a bit, Joe, this of the old rule about house parties are great as long as they're not in your house. Do you know what I mean? You're much better going to someone else's house. And also, Jed... I would say the biggest mistake I've made on nights out is the point where one establishment closes and you are tempted to go somewhere else. And the place that you go next is usually the worst place in town. 
And then you look around and the reason you've gone there generally is to meet someone or to have more fun. There's a moment, Joe, where the blinkers fall from your eyes and you look around and you go, the sort of person I want to meet is not going to be in this establishment at this time of night. Nothing good ever happens. Maybe it's because I'm getting old now, but nothing good ever comes when you're chasing the night. Like, just be happy with having a good session, a good quaff up until closing and then go home. Now I do. Now I've said it out loud. I sound like a. Re- I like sound like the oldest thirty-year-old you'll ever come across. But <laughs> that's just what I, I just found. That when you're young and you think, yeah, you go out clubbing and that was fine. That's fine. But it's never any good anyway. Joe, talking about feeling old, uh, should we both have a little rest for a minute, a cup of tea or something stronger, and we might just squeeze in some ads. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher... And Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Beneath the veneer of the everyday lurks the realm of the spy. From Wondery, I'm Raza Jaffrey. This is The Spy Who, the podcast exploring true spy stories you were never meant to hear with secret operatives playing to very different rules. We'll reveal the invisible work of the world's intelligence services, unearthing daring missions packed with danger, deceit, and double crosses. Follow The Spy Who wherever you listen to podcasts. Joe, before we go any further, we should thank our lovely patrons. These, of course, are our official sponsors. And I'm going to begin, Joe, with Dan, not Jabba the Hut. Someone who might kiss and tell, it's Joss Swindell. In a canoe, you need a paddler. It's Orson Stadler. Daniel, he's no faker. Beers Baker. Josh, the buck stops here. Buckley, to be more like Dan, Joss, Orson, Josh and Daniel... Go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show, and become an official sponsor today. Those were the ads. Jed, I've got some quickfire questions for you, if you don't mind. I'm going to rattle through these. Fruit machines, do you make any money off them, or does all the money go to the company who installs them? No, no, you make your money on you make it. You make, I make a third. The brewery gets a third. The manufacturer gets a third, and I get a third. That's how it. That's how it works. Just making notes on this one as well, just so that can go with my hundred percent markup on food. What about other entertainment that you do that you hold, Jed? Do you have like live music sometimes, or I have live music every day from three o'clock, and I don't have pool. I, I didn't. I don't like pool tables because if I've ever had any little problems, any drug problems, it was with pool tables. Was it? Because you used to put. 
the drugs in the little pockets of all that jazz. So I, t- I took them out straight away, and I've no, I don't regret that. And it also brings the wrong crowd in because any trouble I've had is is round the pool table. So when you say, hang on, so people would people would stick drugs in the pockets as, as a sort of that's right, as a sort of safe drop, and then pick them up from the pockets. Somebody, well, somebody would pick it up, they drop it down, I'd drop it down, and Joe, John, Joe would drop it down, and you'd go, Tom, you'd go and pick it up. Hang on, now am I the drug in all this? Well, there, uh, yeah, no, I'm just saying that's what happened. That's what they used to do. <laughs> And there was a if you had any trouble in the pub, it was around the pool table. You don't get any pr- trouble when everybody's singing and they're all happy. Do you hold any karaoke nights then? And I have two karaoke nights, but I have an um, I have an organist and I have a man who plays the guitar and they, and they, they they've got a screen so they can sing. So it's a semi karaoke type thing. Yes. If we were in the Millstone later today and the music was kicking off and the organist and the guitarist had uh, access to all the tunes you wanted, what would be your top three tunes to? to- Belt out. Adele, someone like you. Adele, hello. And Lionel Richie, hello. <laughs> what about you, Tom? Probably some Elton John would be in there, I think. The weird thing about karaoke is if you do it really badly, often it goes down better than if you do it really well. Do you know what I mean? If someone's too good at karaoke, people don't like it. Well, that's that's why you have karaoke. Everybody gets up and has a go. And they feel well doing it. Nobody gets criticised. Nobody gets shouted at. Nobody, get, nobody ever gets booed. Yes. If I had to say... The, song, the songs that go well, it's always Neil Diamond. Sweet Caroline. There's always an Elvis, and it's always Suspicious, suspicious Minds. Yes. And they all, they all go mad for it. Even the, even the young kids go mad for some of these old singers, honestly. What about, what about Chaz and Dave? Oh, they're fantastic. Well, they go down well. I have them people like them on a Monday when I do my Elvis night. And rock and, my Elvis rock and roll night is always down superb. Do you get stuck in Jed? Does, do you get stuck in some karaoke yourself, lead from the front? No. I learnt my lesson. <laughs> I don't do anything like that. No, no, no. Because if I do, they all ask you to do it. And you can't let anybody down. So if you don't do it from the beginning, you won't. they don't gas you say, I'm sorry, I don't do that. I got given uh, similar advice from a former head coach of mine when I said about media doing media duties and that lot I don't, you know, I'm not sure like, how to do and all that lot. and he said here's the thing in fact I'll do the I'll do the voice here's the thing boy what you need to bloody do is be as rude and as boring as possible and they won't bloody ask you again and I was like what <laughs> he was like yeah so I tried my hardest to be as rude and as boring as possible in the next year so or so in any media conferences that I did. And it actually went the opposite way. The media lapped it up because it turned into massive clickbait and they just loved hammering me. So that went really badly. But that just reminded me what you said. <laughs> if they ask you, if they ask you, to, if you, if one person asks you and you say yes, you'll have to keep doing it, won't you? So, so if you don't do it, then you don't get any problems. What about pub names, Jed? Right, a great pub name can attract you to it. Um, Joe, what do you think? I'm a big fan of the old-fashioned, the something and something. It's funny. You should bring up pub names, uh, Tom, because I've got a couple of quizzes. Oh, lovely. But I'm going to give you a pub name quiz. It's a true or false one. You can both take it in turns uh, to answer either true or false. And I will begin now. The Swan with Two Necks. Is that a real pub or not? Of course it is. We've got one down the road. (laughs) (laughs) So I think you're coming up against a man who's going to be unbeatable. Yeah, he's going to be unbeatable. Your pub quiz. We're here. Okay. All right. The Skiving Scholar. Well, I've not heard of that one, so I can't be honest. I can't. I don't know that one. Tom? I'm saying true. That is true. It's uh, a pub in Plymouth. What about the the pensioner's leg? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, <laughs> all these pubs have different names. I wouldn't be surprised if it's true anyway. That's a false for me, Joe. That is a false. That is a false. The cheeky little goose. <laughs> well, I've not heard that, so I'm going to say false. You're right. That is false. My father's moustache. What? Yes, I've heard that. That's true. That's what? true. Yeah, he's nailed it. That is true. It's in Lincolnshire. And I think I've been to that. It rings a bell to me. Okay, a couple more. The Oily Johnnies. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say that's false. Uh, no, Jed, you're wrong. That is true. It's a pub in Cumbria, and it's because the former landlord used to sell paraffin oil, and his name was John. So it was called Oily It's not Johnny. a nickname, then. It's a real name. No, it's oh, a real right. name. Um, Dirty Dicks. Dirty Dicks is a pub in London. Yeah, it's a pub in Bishopsgate. Okay, the last one on the True or False quiz, which has been a shambles from start to finish, <laughs> is the Nobody In. I'd say yes. The Nobody In is a yes from me, Joe. Yes, it is true. That is a real pub and it is in Devon. And at the end of that, I don't know who won because I didn't keep score, but I'm going to say it was Jed because he is our guest. Um, what is the most common pub name in the UK? Most common pub name. What do we think, Jed? Probably, the, well, I'm going to say the Rose and Crown or the Crown. That's what I've said, something like that. The Rose and Crown. Uh, the Crown is actually ses- second, the second most popular name. Oh. One is the Red Lion. Oh. There you are, then. Jed so sounds underwhelmed by that section of the question. <laughs> <laughs> Jed, if we were coming to the Millstone, which I hope we will, Joe, and we were going to have an all-dayer, what do you think the secret to a good... All there is. Pace yourself. What about water in between drinks? Do you think that would help? I always say to people who drink in wine and sports and uh, always have a glass of water. I give them a glass of water anyway. Say, if you have some wine and they're on the wine, I always leave some water on the table for them because that's a good thing to do. But I don't leave water with people who drink in beer. I put, I put too much water in it anyway, so they'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually, it's funny you say that because I have an argument with my dad every Christmas where he doesn't really believe in drinking water, doesn't think it's necessary. So let's say he gives you a beer and then you ask for water. He says, why do you want water? Because the beer is mainly water. And I haven't ever got a response for him. (laughs) Or let's say he gives you a gin and tonic and you ask for a glass of water. He'll go, yeah, but you've got the tonic. (laughs) Your dad, I think, needs to have a little sit down with himself. And uh, think about how much water he's taken in. How's the easing of lockdown been for you? Because I guess you've got lots of regulars in the Millstone that you wouldn't have seen for a long time. And then finally you get to open your doors again. Is it like seeing a lot of old friends? It's been fantastic. Last week, I opened last Monday, week on Monday, and it's been hammered all the time from regular people coming back in. Because you have a regular, Manchester has a regular clientele. It's been fantastic. The worst part about the lockdown is... People that have passed away, they'll say so-and-so, and you've not been able to go to the funeral, you've not been able to do anything, and you don't know because you've got no only communication. And there's been that's the biggest thing, because they are, they are your friends. At the end of the day, they are your friends. And they, they come in the pub, say these people are coming at 10 o'clock, they're here till 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and then they've had their day, they've got the heating, they've had something to eat, they've had a drink, they've met their friends, and they go home. And that's what pubs are about, to meet people, enjoy themselves. Not to get drunk. They don't get drunk, really. They enjoy the pints and they enjoy the atmosphere and they enjoy the, the crack, as we say. And they enjoy the sing-along. You've got to give people enjoyment and they go out of my pub happy. During the pandemic and during the lockdowns, me and my wife, we're, we're not big drinkers. Um, and there'd be occasion where something on the news about, oh, the pubs are struggling, they need to open up again, et cetera, et cetera. And days, 
Daisy would turn to me and she'd go, I don't know what the big thing is. Why are people just they're so desperate to go out for a pint? Like, what's the big thing? thing? And hearing you talk just reminded me how important pubs are to us and our communities in the UK because it's not just about the drinking, is it? It's that's that's the thing I think me and my wife think about. Oh, you need alcohol fun. It's not, it's about the atmosphere that's created by people like you and the regulars that go there for that company, for for the socializing and um how important they are they are to the community. Yeah, because the community pub like like you go in the pub for a beer. There's nothing better than a nice pint of beer. You don't go, you don't want a can of beer. It's a different taste altogether. And people like a nice, proper, crisp, clear, refreshing pint of bitter or pint of lager. And there's nothing nicer than that. And they sit around with six or seven friends and they're talking and then they enjoy themselves and then they all go home and come back tomorrow. And it's fantastic. I love it. I love it. I, that's why I love my job. Because they're all lovely people. I don't know about you, Joe, but I'm so thirsty now. I'm getting the train up now. Right, I'll meet you in Nutsford. Um, I'll be a few hours, and then we're going to head over to Manchester City Centre, oh, please. Oh, beautiful. God, what I'd want to, I just, what I'd give to do that right now. I just want that taste of. I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a lager though. I'd have a, I'd have a cider. I'm a cider man, me. So that Joe is a lovely way for us to finish. I think this episode, Jed, you've been amazing. Thanks so much for coming on Joe's show. Well, can I say thank you to both of you? But can, I'm going to invite you now. I'm going to say, this, is, this is to you, Joe. I have a hotel here as well, a little hotel. So if you do come up, you can spend here a night up here as my guest with your missus. I'm coming. Okay. Well, I yeah. am coming. No, just I'm... before Christmas, try and do it. It's a nice little hotel. I'll look after you and I'll spoil both of you. And it's made my day. And I've got great company with Joe. Jed, you've been an absolute gent. And I could sit there all day quaffing away listening to all your stories and it has been an absolute pleasure listening to you so thank you so much mate well i'm just going to go back to speak to the spirits (laughs) (laughs) joe i'm massively thirsty as a result of that conversation and i really enjoyed jed's chat but i can see on this zoom call you have a piece of paper in front of you you've done some research what are the questions the topics that we weren't able to cover there yeah no jed was fantastic and i'm not as thirsty as you are because i'm half cut i'm uh half a bottle of vodka deep because i'm a bloody lad just i'm not just in case daisy does listen back to this and she's worried that i'm just sitting in my van drinking vodka but it's a shame jed had to go and do some actual work rather than sitting talking nonsense with us because i had so many more pub quiz questions for him or pub facts and my pub fact finding section that i've been doing for quite some time but uh so i'm desperate to do it can i do it anyway tom can i do it at the end with you yes please just let's let's, let's rattle through it yeah can i do it now right okay how many pubs are in the uk nearest to the nearest thousand eight thousand no that is a ludicrous guess it is fifty thousand whoa yep Right, the Mayflower pub in London is the only pub licensed to sell what other than booze? Horses. Horses? Yeah, I I reckon the Mayflower's been there for 500 years. It used to be a coaching inn where people would come with their coach and need to change their horses. So you can buy horses at the Mayflower. Okay, that's actually... That would actually make sense, but it's not right. It's uh, U.S. stamps. Why would you want to buy U.S. stamps, though? There's some sort of historical connection to the Mayflower ship that carried Pilgrim Fathers. Ah. 
yeah good really good sorry please this i'm i'm more excited than clearly um anyone listening to this is but i need to get it off my chest anyway because i've done a lot of work in the research a pub in ireland give out free drinks to its customers if they don't touch their what noses nope wives no (laughs) savings ridiculous it is phones if they don't touch their phone. I like the sound of this place. Yeah, that's uh, I want to track that down, actually. What about this one? In Australia, in Australia, what does putting your empty pint upside down on the bar signal? Uh, that you'd like your bill. It's signalling that you can fight everyone in there and win, apparently. Blimey, you wouldn't want to do that by accident. No, I'd quite like to. Why would you do that by accident? Why would you finish your pint and go, oh, I'll put that upside down? Just as a sort of act of bravado, you know, like sometimes you smash a pint down and then put the empty pint glass on your head. That's okay. That is quite a good point. You make really good points, actually, when I try and catch (laughs) you out. (laughs) Right. This is hard to prove, but can you guess the year of the oldest pub in the UK? Love this question, Joe. Uh, I think there's probably quite a few pubs that are 500 years old. Uh, Your timbered half beam ones you Tudor ones so i'm gonna say there is one dating back it's a very small one probably with very small doorways and it sort of leans over the street and it is 1358 you are way off mate the old ferry boat in hollywell was built in 560 what however 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 thomas thomas wait the guinness book of records have the ye olde Yoldi Fighting Cocks in St Albans as the official oldest pub, which was 795. Oh my lord. Joe, we're at the point of the podcast where we're going to leave your excellent quiz and I'm going to mention another podcast that people might enjoy. Now, this is a podcast called Unaccountable. It's a podcast all about police reform in America and trying to hold police accountable for their actions. It's hosted by Aloe Black and Ben Cohen, and each episode tells the story of an American citizen whose rights have been violated by the police, along with celebrity guests who are also fighting to end something they call qualified immunity. Be part of the change. Search Unaccountable and subscribe now. Well, Tom, as they say in the pub trade, get out my pub. But on this occasion... Get out my podcast, even though it's ours. So it's not my podcast, it's ours, our ours, our podcast. And I can't tell you to get out of it because we're legally bound to continue doing it. Um, so how about just goodbye then? See you soon. I've seen, seen this kebab shop around the corner, yeah? <laughs> Crowd Network, a place where you belong.